So uh, this week we are starting with a new series. Um, can you put up the slide there for me? It's called God, Money, and Legacy. Tell your neighbor, God, Money, and Legacy. And uh, I'm, I'm just going to introduce it to us. Uh, we're going to have about four weeks on this message. And some of you might think, I, I didn't know Pastor Chris is a financial advisor. <laughs> and uh, the reason why we're dealing with this subject is because the scripture is actually loaded with content on money. And the reason why is because money is a reflection of somebody's life. Money is a reflection of somebody's life. Whatever money you have in your account, was it? either given to you or you earned it by working. And the work that you did, you spent your time, you spent your life in order to gain that. You exchanged your life currency for that money. And the units of the money that you have with you represents either your life or if someone gave you that money for the young people or somebody that got a gift, that is a representation of Time spent by that person that ended up in your pocket, in your account. And in the same way, money as a currency has the ability to transfer and move our hearts and our lives from one location to the next. And uh, you, will, you will notice that is true if your money that was in your account and move to another account. <laughs> if that happens, you will immediately know that your heart has moved from here to there. <laughs> Even if it's a legitimate account, immediately there is a movement in your life. And the scripture shows us that this phenomenon of being able to move your heart from one account to another is something that can transcend this life. Transcend means go past, go beyond this life. And Jesus said it this way. He said, do not store up treasure for you on earth. Now some have interpreted that to mean, do not even acquire that treasure. No, that's wrong. If you do not acquire money, how will you take care of your family? And if you do not take care of your family, the word of God says you are worse than an infidel. You are worse than an unbeliever. You have denied the faith. So God expects us to acquire it. All right? The Proverbs are full of scriptures concerning the acquisition of money, the acquisition of wealth. The issue that God has is when you hoard it. Look at the person next to you and say, hoard it. Huh? Such a good word, that hoard. Yeah? It's like a crowd. You are crowding that thing. God has an issue with that. Why? Because the acquisition of finance is not an issue. It might actually be caused by God. That he begins to supply you with such substance. Once you obtain it, it's supposed to move somewhere. And the scripture shows us that Jesus warns us and he says, Do not hoard money. Do not hoard treasure on earth where it can be destroyed. 
He doesn't even point it to say that it is in God's interest that you move your money from an earthly account to a heavenly account. He actually says that it is in your own best interest. Why? Because on earth, what happens to it? Rust, moths, and all of that. Now some of you are, no, but I, I don't put mine in the mattress. I have an account at that special bank. Right? I won't mention names because for obvious reasons. So I've got an account at that special bank. And no moth can get there and no rust. Thieves can even get there. Hackers can get there. But that's not the point. Whenever you don't go forward to fulfill what God has called you to do, you rob yourself of destiny. It is not just a matter of my money got stolen. No, the fact that you still have it and you haven't moved it to God's place means that you are robbing yourself of what that could become for you. And it says that don't hoard it here, but put it in the kingdom of God. Put it in heaven where it doesn't get destroyed and where it has eternal returns. Amen? We are going to deal in this series concerning God's economy. There is such a thing as God's economy. And it is beyond and it transcends our natural political economy. It transcends the rent. It transcends inflation. It transcends the movement by the Reserve Bank to up or down, increase or decrease interest rates. It transcends the actions of the politicians from South Africa (laughs) that have an effect on this side of the Orange River. Praise God for that. Amen? Because we get South African television here. We, We understand what's happening there. Right? And it's so important that you realize that the reason why this is key is because you are living in two places at the same time right now. Amen? So you you live on earth, but you are part of the kingdom of God. You are part of the kingdom of heaven. And you are today operating in the realm of the spirit in the same way that you operate in the natural. And those two worlds merge inside you. Amen? You are not just a body. You are not just a soul. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. Amen? And there in your spirit, your spirit and your soul is a mix like that, that also mixes with the Holy Spirit. So literally, you have a convergence of of two worlds inside you. Amen? It's like having dual citizenship. Right? And it is so important that we reveal to people especially the children of God, the spiritual nature of how you use money. Now, the, the controversy stands because there are those who peddle the gospel for the sake of gain. Right? They preach the gospel to make money. Right? We don't need to do that. And I tell you why. There are others, they are not preachers, but they are believers, and they also run their lives corruptly and in darkness because they have a sense of lack 
and a sense of greed and covetousness that rules their lives. This is not fitting for royalty. This is not fitting for those who are born in a kingdom. Not as servants or slaves, but as children of the king. Do you understand? And this is important. The reason why the enemy either wants to demonize, right? And this is quite an appropriate term for what he does. He wants to demonize any, any talk of finance or money in the context of church. Why? Because what the church will do is throw out the baby with the bathwater. They will not only throw out the lies, they will throw out the whole thing. And the result will be that the church ends up being poor and beggarly with great dreams and ambitions. And then the world over here, not having dreams and ambitions that are consistent with God's plan, but having all the resources. And for those of you who are still young, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to gear your life according to the word of God. So during this series, we're going to look at the practical elements of God's word. And there are certain traditional messages that have gone forth in Christianity that are not entirely true. The word of God says that even the ministers of the enemy... They, they pose as ministers of righteousness and angels of light. They, they have their own churches that are called churches where, where lies are taught. Amen? And it is so important for you as a believer to go into the scripture for yourself. Tell the person next to you, go into the scripture for yourself. Where's your Bible? Did you bring it? Huh? Huh? Hmm? Huh? Where's your Bible? Because for many of us, what we know concerning what God says about finances in the kingdom of God, we have heard from someone else. We have heard. We, we tell it as if, it's, as if it's what God said, but we didn't check it ourselves. And many times we will take it out of context and we will just tell it like it is and then spread that lie. My people perish. And this is a sad statement from God's side. My kids, my children perish because they don't read. Amen? How many of you, um, you were aware of the, the tax amnesty? Is the tax amnesty until the end of the month? You were aware of it. How did you become aware of it? Huh? A SMS that was coming. Now imagine. <laughs> well, we don't send you SMS of the scriptures, but imagine. Imagine that SMS wasn't coming and no one told you, but imagine one of your best friends knew. And they knew that you have a huge debt with the tax man, Mr. Kali, the Honorable. You have a huge debt with the tax man, and it's mo- most of it is interest. And that good friend of yours never told you a thing. Even when you were sitting together, they read the SMS. Oh, it's just this. <laughs> they didn't tell you, look, there's a way out of this. 
The first principle when it comes to the things of God is information. From the beginning, the enemy's agenda is always either to keep you ignorant. If he can't keep you ignorant, he will corrupt the version that you get. He'll give you a half-truth, a partial truth. Amen? Take us there to the first slide. And the, the third thing on legacy is that God is a generational God. And for many of us, we are, we are only thinking about us. The word of God says that a good man leaves an inheritance for who? For his children's children. <laughs> I can't see that far, so I'll eat it all up. This is what the word of God actually encourages us to do. Culturally and traditionally for many of us, that's not the case. In fact, according to many of our cultures, the children's children must apply for the father's father. Then those are good children. But the word of God tells us that the provisions come from the father. And it's not just a requirement upon earthly fathers, it is a requirement upon heavenly fathers. There's only one soul upon the heavenly father. Is that clear? That means that God thinks like this, that he wants to provide for you and your children. Generational. Is that clear? And you will see how he designed the earth. It was exactly like this. Now for those of you who believe, no, actually it's God's will for some people to be very poor and for some to be very wealthy. You were not there on the seventh day. Because when God created the earth, he didn't make any provisions for lack. Not even one. For two people, what he provided for was too much, almost unnecessary. But that's unnecessary in our eyes. But in God's eyes, it is necessary. It is provision for the vision. Amen? And sometimes you think what God is doing in your life in terms of blessing you and providing for you is so that you can hoard. No. He is looking for somebody on the earth through whom he can express heaven and bring a confirmation of the covenant that he has for the church. He is looking for a son and a daughter that will not be ashamed to receive from the Father and be able to administrate on behalf of the Father's estate. Amen? Now, for those of us who didn't grow up in a royal family, we have not been raised to administrate wealth. What you do is once you get wealth, you eat as much as you can. You put in your pockets as much as you can. Hostel life. You prop in and then if you see someone coming, you take another turn in case you have to share. Especially if you grow up in a large family, TIA. And so it is so important for us to shake off that orphan type of behavior. We need to get to a place of maturity because there, is, there, there are lives at stake. There are nations that are going to hell 
Because some of us have not matured. Because some of us have not come to the place where I'm done with childish things and now I'm going to take up the father's charge. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. This is a very important book, the book of beginnings. It shows you the intentions. Okay? And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. So if things are not very good now, it is not God's intention or plan. Because when he had the opportunity to have a clean slate and design it, he designed it well. It was very good, suitable and pleasant, and he approved it completely. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And you will notice that on the sixth day, when God created man, he created him at the end of everything. Do you see how he's a provider? By nature. He didn't create it on day one. And then there's no food to eat. And we must fast. Fast until day, day three or four when they are animals. No. And God anticipates needs. He anticipates your needs. Before you came on the scene, God anticipated your arrival and he made provisions. He made provisions. So he creates man on the sixth day, and then after that, he begins to commission him, and there's fellowship in the provision that he made. And what he does with Adam is he causes him to steward and to take care and to cultivate and to grow and to replenish and to multiply it. And it's in a partnership, not as a loan. Okay, give us the next slide. <laughs> This is where we are now. The Bible says that when Adam sinned, when sin entered, so came death and corruption. Before Adam, there was, before Adam sinned, there was no death. Before Adam sinned, there was no poverty. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was none of that. We were seeing now, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Do we mean that? Do we mean that? Is it truly God's intent? Now when we see those pictures, we move. That's what people do. We move. We need to move out of this location, you know. It's not so good for the children to grow around, grow up around this kind of thing. So let's move uh, to Kleiner Cooper. <laughs> I'm using that as an example. Oh, I don't move from Kleiner Cooper now. So here in Kleiner Cooper, we don't see those kind of pictures, you know. We are fine. Even the government has gone so far as to institute a ministry of poverty eradication in this country. Where are the sons of God? The whole creation is groaning in earnest expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. The sons of God are the mature sons of God. The ones that have grown up to say, it's not only just me and mine and, and my house and my dog and my car and my fence. That it is now the whole world. And if you are going to feed the whole world, what is the supply that you will require? And if you think, God won't expect that of me. Ask the disciples when the 5,000 were there. 
He said, Lord, these people are going to faint. They are fasting. They have not eaten for these past days that they have been following us. We need to send them home. And what did Jesus say? You feed them. <laughs> His disciples looked at each other like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> Even a year's wages are not enough to feed this multitude. And then Jesus asked them, what? What do you have? What do you have? Because what you have, I will use to feed many. And some of us are sitting here and looking across the room and saying, but I'm not like that person. If I was, Lord, if I was like that person. No. <laughs> some of us, if I was like that person, when you get there, you are still hoarding. It starts where you are. It's a change of your attitude. It's a different kind of mindset. You go from being the pauper to being a prince. And princes think differently. Give us the next slide. Eh? John 3 verse 2. 3 John. Third John verse two, chapter 2. Verse 2. Yeah. Third epistle of John. <laughs> chapter 2 in the amplified version. Verse 2. It says, Beloved. This is the apostle writing to the church. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may, that you may prosper. Why would he pray that? Is that God's will for you? Church, is that God's will for you? If it is so that you would want to sell all your belongings and follow Jesus, well done. You have belongings to sell. But for many of us, we have had such an orphan issue, right? That it's either I have to hoard or I want nothing. Because if I have, I must keep. If I have, if God's going to bless me, then I must keep. That's the two extremes. So for much of the church, many of us are in that place where we've made a vow of poverty. Lord, I don't want anything more than just for me and my two kids and my husband. Just us. That is the most selfish thing ever. God wants to supply beyond you so that you can be a blessing. And some of you might be asking, no, but where's that in the Bible? Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham used to be an idol worshiper. And God chose him to become a father of a nation. And what God did in his lifetime was to call him out of his family, away from that inheritance. And he said that I will bless you. And I will make you a blessing. God will first bless you before he makes you a blessing. Do you understand? So you have to position yourself in order to appropriate the blessing of God, in order to become a blessing. You cannot give what you do not have. Be besides your family over here, please raise your hand. How many of you feed more than five families daily? Besides your own family, I mean, today's Sunday, right? We're going to go home, have the roast chicken or beans or whatever. <laughs> right? Besides your family, how many of you today you are feeding five more? Please raise your hand. We need to discuss something with you. There's a brother. Okay? 
This is, this is God's plan. This is God's plan. And you think to myself, but I don't have. Okay. That's when you begin to realize, like Moses, what do you have in your hand? Why? Because whatever you have in your hand, together with God, is a multitude. It's a, it's, it's a majority. Now, if you are without God, you have nothing. Yeah, those people work for that. <laughs> but yeah, 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 it comes close. <laughs> you, you need to be thankful for this salary. In this economy, definitely. Right? It's a start. But just to show you that you're thinking beyond yourself. Beyond just your plate and knife and fork. Or the dessert spoon. Because some of us have dessert. <laughs> God's will is that you prosper in every way. In every way. And the issue with the quote-unquote prosperity heresy is that you have to earn that. You will buy it from Jesus. Nonsense. Nonsense. This is by birthright. This is by birthright, by God's fatherly love responsibility. He said, you being evil. You being evil. Know how to give a, a, a fish when they ask for a fish and you don't give a snake. You know how to give bread. You don't give a stone. You give bread. How much more will your heavenly father, who is good? Amen. So why are we telling you this? Why? Because your heart must first believe something different before you experience something different. For with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation or deliverance. So if there is something in your heart that is religiously blocking what God wants to do in your life, it doesn't matter what God gets to you, it will, you will get rid of it. Either by irresponsibility or whatever way, you will get rid of it because your, your guilt cannot handle it. It's like some people, they've received a wonderful spouse. They are ruining their marriage because of guilt. They feel unworthy of this person. That's a different message. Okay? And that your body, and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. And this is important. It says that you prosper and that you are in good health. Do you have to pay for that? No. It is, why? Because there is someone that was put on a tree. And all sickness and disease, he himself has borne our infirmities, our sicknesses and diseases. On the tree, he bore them all. That is why we can expect that. And if it's not happening, then there is a, an enemy that is in the way. Either a, 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 a religious enemy or a demonic enemy, both from the kingdom of, of Satan. Next slide. Acts 20 verse 35. In everything I've pointed out to you by example, that by working diligently in this manner, the Apostle Paul speaking, we ought to assist the weak, being mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed. It makes you happier and it is to be envied. That brother is to be envied. It is more blessed. The giver, the, the generous one is like God. 
And the Bible says that we have been made partakers, participators in the divine, in the God nature. One of the ways that we participate and that we are very much like God is when we give, when there is no basis to give. It is free gift. When you are going on the street, and it's not because you are feeling guilty, but because you have a generous spirit, a generous heart that you give to someone in need. God is like that. Not with a whole lot of like, I hope that this will return to me. <laughs> Lord, I make an investment. Into, mm -mm. God doesn't think like that. He is generous. Generous means I'm, I'm giving because there's so much. And you might think to yourself, but there isn't so much. You are looking in the wrong place. If you walk with God who made you, who made the one who made money, who is full of wisdom and ideas, who has revelation, he knows where the gold is, he knows where the silver is, the gold is mine, says the Lord, the silver is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine for the Herreros. Yeah, all the cattle on a thousand hills is mine, says the Lord. If I were, if I were tired or hungry, I wouldn't tell you as if I need your help. Amen? The sons are the same, just like the father. Amen? And it is so important that we begin to internalize this. It needs to be true, true, true to you. And no demon or deacon must argue you out of it. Amen? Give us the next slide there. You are born wealthy for divine generosity. Now, this is key. We are not trying to give you something that you do not already have. Tell the person next to you. We are not trying to give you something that you do not already have. If you are born again, you are born with an inheritance. Now, how many of you know that you can live, you can live a life of lack with money in the bank if that pin number has been forgotten? <laughs> I mean, you can try and persuade the bank, no, it's me, it's me. <laughs> Where's your pin number? I forgot it. And you'll have to visit Hilda and Philip, can I have dinner there tonight or something? But there's money in the account. The provisions of Christ Jesus for the children of God are not only for eternal life. He has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Amen? So the, the requirement that God places on you as a father to take care of your, of your family is proof that he is willing, more than willing to provide for it. Amen? So you need to understand that as much as the world is in a mess and in a wreck, there is a transcending kingdom, a transcending economy that we can participate in and go beyond what is here. And this is not something that happens overnight. Anything that you gain, if you move from one status to another status too quickly, you get to the new status without the skills to handle it, you will ruin the whole palace. Before you are brought into the palace, they must first train you and teach you how to handle these fine things. Then they usher you now in into the things. Okay, okay. Why? Because if you receive your inheritance prematurely, 
without preparation, what you will do is you will take them like the prodigal son and you will go and you will squander them on harlotry and on riotous living. Amen? That means on prostitutes and on regular spending. So that's why it's important. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He is the paracletos, the one who comes alongside, the tutor. He comes alongside you. Julio, come. He comes alongside you to begin to explain. <laughs> he begins to explain to you. Yeah? And then, when you don't get something, what do you do? You ask. So you ask, and then what does he do? No, some believers don't believe that. They think, oh, you ask the Holy Spirit, then he's like, no, today I think I'm going to be quiet. Fast some more. No. What the Holy Spirit is jealous and urgently, urgently interested in getting you to grow up. He will not waste an opportunity to be able to give you the information that you need to rise to the next level. Do you understand? Why? Because the more of these we can have, the more we can accomplish the work. But what happens is, most of them are here in diapers. Quickly, come down on In diapers. Yeah? And then there's, like the prophetic word said, offenses. Yeah? There's, with babies like this, there's just diaper stuff everywhere. I know. I have three of those. <laughs> Diaper stuff everywhere. Until they are raised to the point where they can dress themselves. But that's not enough. It's not good enough to be a halfway Christian. I can dress myself. I brush my own teeth. You know. No. We need to give you the estate. We need, you need to manage the family business. We cannot have you only know how to brush your teeth. You need to know how to eat by yourself. That's way back. The way that you need to operate is such that you manage as a child of God. In order for you to do that, you need to be trained. You need to be raised by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the Word of God says that ministers, pastors, and teachers, and apostles, and prophets, they are sent to equip you so that you can grow to the maturity of faith, so that you are no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, right? Like children. And then you are able to grow up to the fullness of Christ. You walk in the room and the, the angels come in just like they would come in with Jesus. Not like, oh, let's see, let's see if today, <laughs> if today he will follow through. Thank you, Julio. So it's so key that you realize who you are, but who you are is not enough. Even if you are born in the royal family, it doesn't mean that you have an estate. The book of Galatians says that the son, until he, be, he matures, he is just like a servant. He's just, though he be Lord of the whole estate, he is just like a servant. He cannot take advantage of the realities that are his because he's still a child. And the Bible says that you, you begin to grow up when you begin to learn about righteousness, who you are. The things that Barbara was sharing. Once you begin to realize righteousness that you have, something begins to happen inside of you. You begin to live beyond the earthly human life. Where it's just me, mine, and oh, no, no, oh, provision for this, provision for that, all around the center of your small box. But God's plan is to raise you. Amen? And it 
doesn't matter if you, you, you might come from a poor family. I come from a poor family. I come from a poor family, you know, so you know how it is for us, you know, uh, during that time when, yeah, 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 yeah. Who gave you those words? There is a source for every, every thought. Amen? For those of us, some of us, our parents were refugees. Yeah? Came with nothing except God. Yeah? And it's just one generation and things begin to move. Right? One generation and things begin to... I'm telling you that God is willing to use you. Don't, don't take your excuse, uh, Throw out your excuses. Be like Joseph who, Joseph who was sold into slavery. Sold into slavery. Standing naked with nothing. Being sold as a slave. And then a few years later, he is ruling Egypt. And he is making provisions for the poor. Why? Why? Because there is such where the spirit of God is inside of him. It's not because he's got a PhD in agriculture or philosophy. It's because the spirit of God is inside of him. Which spirit is inside of you? Ask the person next to you, which spirit do you have? Huh? Even Joseph was not born again. You have the fullness. But what is the issue? The enemy will keep you immature. He will keep you in the flesh, in the, in the natural thing. What I see, what I taste, what I uh, feel, what, uh, that's where I, I'm emotional. Oh God, let me just vent myself to you. <laughs> let me just throw my tantrum here because of how life is. No, the Lord has given you everything within. And it is up to you whether you will take it up now or take it up later. You delay your own progress. Yeah? Your Bible lies on the mantle. You can take it up this afternoon and begin to go through a couple of letters and begin to say, at least on the, on the information level, I've got this down. Then from information, you move then to revelation. Once you get revelation, then it's like the realm of the Spirit begins to respond to you. It's like lights go on. And when you are operating in a dark room without the light, it's hard. Have you ever heard a Christian say, it's so tough being a Christian? It's so hard being a Christian. Are your lights on? No. Why don't you turn on your lights? Well, God has to come from heaven, <laughs> right? To come and turn on the light. That would be like us calling the CEO of Nampower. If the light is on, uh, Richard, please switch off the light there. There behind you. Yeah. Now we call the CEO of Nampower. Uh, what is his name? I don't know. Huh? Mr. Lofu? Yes, we have a situation here. <laughs> no, but before you call him, obviously he's an important person, so the phone will ring for four days. <laughs> and you'll be in the dark for four days. After four days, oh, thank you. At least you have, you have answered. Um, uh, we have a situation here. The lights, the lights are, have been off for four days. Okay, what is the problem? No, uh, it's off. I mean, as you can see here. Let me take a picture. I'm sending you a WhatsApp. <laughs> can you see? Yes, it's off. Okay. Um, have you paid your bill? Yeah, I've paid my bill. Everything. Every month. Faithfully. Okay, so why, why is it not off? And even the person we're speaking to you on the phone doesn't know. Why, they won't even go to tell you we'll switch on the light. It is so out of the question. 
I won't even address that because it's obviously not that. What kind of person caused the CEO to switch on the light? And how easy is it? Just switch on the light. You don't have to call the CEO. Just look in the manual and then you will say, oh, there's a switch there. Switch on, please, Richard. Oh, God moved. God moved. <laughs> Nonsense. God didn't move. You moved. You moved from your ignorant place to a place of revelation. Yeah? Oh, God moved. You know? After, after I started reading the Bible, the, the Lord started moving in my life. <laughs> no. After you started studying the word, you started to put it to work, and then you started moving. When did God move? God moved 2,000 years ago. When he sent his son, he moved so far. He moved from heaven all the way to earth. He moved into the womb of a virgin. He moved and he was born and he lived. He moved all over the earth. He moved to the cross. He moved to the grave. He moved and descended to the grave. And then he moved and ascended up. And now you are seated with him in heavenly places. God moved already. But we need to begin to understand what it is that we have received in Christ. And the beautiful thing is, you don't have to do much. You have to just mix it with faith. Once you mix it with faith, it begins to work in your life. It begins to open, open eyes to open eyes to see more. I'm saying it, it's not real English, but when you are in the realm of the Spirit, you get revelation that gives you more ability to see things that will give you more revelation. Do you understand? It is like mathematics. You have to understand one plus one first before you can understand the timetables and then you move to the, to the algebras and then you move to the calculus and then you move to those other things. If you don't have the, the bottom line here, you will not even see that. Is that clear? So it is in your interest. When you come into church, you are not coming to church because uh, it, it, my grandfather has raised our family to come to church, you know. No, it is not traditional. You are coming to church to get revelation. Once you get that revelation, you protect it because as you are going home, there are lies that are wanting to come in to dis, dis, undo what God is doing. What you do then is you begin to Im, you meditate on them. You ponder, you mutter them. Once you begin to do that, you begin to awaken in your spirit to that truth. It's just a matter of time before it begins to work. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, a special people, God's own special people, purchased, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Give us the next slide there. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who what? Has. Is that past tense? Meaning it already happened. Okay. So he has blessed us with what? In the heavenly realms with? Uh, how many spiritual blessings? So which ones does that exclude? None. How many of you have been praying for spiritual blessings? 
Oh God, bless me with this or that. If you only read Ephesians 1 verse 3, you will say, Oh God, thank you that you have blessed me in the realms of the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that I'm in your school. Every day you are teaching me how to appropriate, how to discover, how to grow in all these. Amen? And you don't waste your time calling the CEO. Why? Because the supply has been made. Amen? Are you understanding this? For some people, it's very frustrating. It's like, oh, so you mean, <laughs> you mean all this time then? All this time? <laughs> all those? <laughs> I, I missed that, that time when there was a special, uh, a special birthday. Nah? And I was at the birthday and just saying, no, I'm fasting, you know. What are you fasting for? Asking God for spiritual blessings. So you missed out on that good chicken <laughs> that you could have had. Had you just read Ephesians <laughs> chapter 1 <laughs> and been there with your, with your chicken in your mouth. You know, the Lord was speaking about, you know, the spiritual blessings that he, was, that he has given to us. Every, every spirit, oh, just hold on. <laughs> every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus is mine. I didn't know that. Do you understand? Jesus said it this way. The religious people, they love to pray. And they love to repeat, 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 repeat. Last week's prayer, this week's prayer. Today's prayer, repeat, repeat, repeat. He says, you don't have to do that. Your father already knows what you have need of. But what you need is you need to pray for revelation. That the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. That you will begin to see what you have received in Christ. And begin to appropriate what you already have in Christ. Amen. Give us the next slide. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. For you are becoming progressively acquainted and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though he was so very rich, for your sakes he became so very poor. Do you see a good motive for, for your net worth declining? Yeah, It's for the sake of others. Not because you are lazy at work or because you are terrible at, at your work and so, you, you know, no one wants to employ you. And, no. But for the sake of others, by generosity, he became poor so that for your sakes, in order that by his poverty, you might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Amen? God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God. God made him who was rich, to become poor so that we might be restored to Eden. Amen? How does he do that? He puts us in the place of sonship. He doesn't just deposit 12,000 in your account. No, that's, that's below. That's not enough. He puts you as a joint heir with Jesus that inherits everything from the Father. Some of you rejoice more about the 5,000 that is deposited in my account today, then about becoming part, becoming, uh, being, uh, being included in the will of, in the, in the testament of God. We have seen the, the soapies where, you know, that young man realizes that life is hard, but there's an old lady that has a lot of money. So what he will do is, he will begin to, you know, come very close and build a relationship build a relationship and what not, you know. And then after many years, then she will include him in that and remove that other guy. And the guy will be like, yes. 
I know it's a terrible illustration, but it drives on the point. Né? That there is benefit to being God's heir. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide. But you will think about that illustration. It will speak to you from the Lord. God gives powerful wealth. This is Deuteronomy. Now, it is so important that we realize that Israel is a type of us. A chosen race. The whole community is supposed to be a representation of what God wants to do in the earth. And the way that God deals with them, go and read this at home. We can't read all of it. Deuteronomy 8, verse 10 to 19, it says, Beware lest you say in your mind and my heart. And he's saying, once you've come into the promised land, and now that you are enjoying all the benefits, all the houses you did not build, vineyards you did not plant, God has supplied everything. You came to a land flowing with milk and honey. You were slaves there. God brought you out through the wilderness, fed you with manna, gave you water from the rock. And now you are in the, in the land flowing with milk and honey. Everything is going good. All, your harvests are double, double. Promotion, double, double. All that double, double, right? Then, he says, beware. When you are there, you know, the life is now good. I've, I've moved now to that suburb where things are now good. My friends from church visit me there, you know, and they're always like, oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, <laughs> right? And then, lest you say in your mind and heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord. Your God. For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you will surely perish. Amen. God doesn't have an issue with giving you the estate. He says... Take heart, little children. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But how many of you are fathers here? How many of you are, are fathers of teenagers? Can I see the fathers of teenagers? How many of you have already given the car when they were 13? Huh? Maybe on the farm, but not in the normal road. Yeah? We, we don't give it just like that. But consider how God is willing to go beyond even that. And with that, he gives you the Holy Spirit so that you learn how to administrate this. Give us the next slide. We are ending. Who is your master? Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Everybody say two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. You can't have like, I love both. Right? Either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, which is money, deceitful riches, money, possessions, and whatever is trusted in. That's not an issue for us as children of God, right? Hmm? Yeah? If you love money, you don't know who God is. And what you need to do is not deal with, I need to hate money. How can I hate money more? No. No. <laughs> you have not fallen in love with this one. Once you fall in love with it, that one just becomes things. Amen? 
And what God is trying to show his children is not that you love money and use people, but that you use money and you love people. Amen? And in a group like this, there are different people. You know, some of you are wealthy, some of you are not wealthy, some of you have a savings, some of you don't. <coughs> some of you have cows for pension, <coughs> excuse me, some of you don't. Some of you have children that have graduated as pension, some of you don't, <laughs> right? There's a mixed group here. But all of you have the same father, the same God. The word of God says in Proverbs that the rich man and the poor man have this in common. God has given sight to both of them. What are your eyes for? To see Jesus. We set our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We don't set our eyes on money. We don't set our eyes on wealth and possessions. Those things are God's. The cattle is his. The gold, it's, it's part of the king. We don't set our eyes on that. We have grown beyond that. We realize that it is all about Jesus. And so through this, this series, I want to encourage you to go into your scripture, read it, study out for yourself the scriptures that relate to money, the warnings that exist concerning covetousness, the warnings that exist concerning not being content with what you have, the warnings that exist concerning the drive to want to be rich. Amen? And the corruption and the piercing through that many have had because of the fact that they have pursued riches at the expense of God and their families. Amen? Let us stand. Let's raise our hands to the Lord. Begin to thank the Lord for what you have. In your eyes, it might not be much. But maybe you have a second car. You, you have a home. You, you have a job. You, you might not have anything. You have clothes on your back. This morning you had something to eat. Begin to thank him right where you are. Out of the depths of your heart. Not to take it for granted. Father, without you, without you, where would I be? I know I've got dreams. I've got passions. Every day I want something better. Every day I'm tempted to desire for more. But I need to see and count my blessings. Name them one by one. And I would be surprised of what the Lord has already done. Father, this morning, Lord, we, we raise holy hands in thanksgiving, O oh God. If our children have been going to school because of your supply, Lord. If we have been able to clothe them. We have been able to give to the neighbor. We've been able to help the poor. We've been able, Lord God, to, to, to feed our families. We've been able, Lord God, to give to the work of the ministry. We've been able, Lord God, to, to, to go out of our way, to, to be like you and to be generous, Lord. Father, I pray this morning for revelation in the name of Jesus, that the kingdom belongs to us, Lord God, that we are heirs in this kingdom, that we are sons and daughters in this kingdom, Lord God. 
that every day, Lord, we are being raised by the Holy Spirit to become mature, Lord God, to be prepared, Lord, as governors, Lord God, to manage the things of the kingdom of God for the sake of the vision that you are pouring out in our time, Lord. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, even in the places, Lord, where our minds were in the wrong place, Lord, we repent this morning, Lord God, and we say, Lord, teach me your word. Teach me your ways, Lord God. Give me, give me, give me revelation, Lord. Let me understand your will, Lord God. Let me walk in your ways in Jesus' name. Raise your hands to the Lord. May the Lord bless you. May he cause the rain to come early in your life. May he cause your house to be full of laughter from your children and your grandchildren. May it cause your heart to rest in so much peace because you are the righteousness of God. May the protection of heaven abide upon you. And may everything you put your hand to prosper and flourish. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.